Not afraid to tell it like it is. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon till 3 on AM 900 CHML. Uh, We're going to stick with politics because there's, you know, some movement happening here on the Canadian side as well. Jason Kenney, one of Stephen Harper's top MP, is expected in the next little while uh, to announce that he's leaving federal politics to run for leadership of, I guess we can say, a a rebuilding party, the ailing PC party. It it will be a, a loss to the federal conservatives. Whether you like him or not, Kenny uh, is credited with growing the party's base. He is said to have brought many, many new Canadians into the fold. And a lot of people thought that he would run for leadership of the party. But instead, he's going to focus on his home province of Alberta, where he hopes to unite the Wild Rose Party and the PCs. So what will stop, you know, Rachel Notley and the NDP? They're thinking that that is the only thing, United Party. Kenny, of course, was part of whole, uh, you know, uniting the Canadian alliance uh, and creating the Canadian, cons- uh, the Canadian, the CPC, uh, Canadian Conservative Party. Uh, but uh, he's not going to leave politics unless he thinks he has a chance. And the Wild Rose has already said, we're not going to get any other one, any other person to lead this party except for, you know, who we have right now, and that is Brian Jean. So it'll be interesting to see what he says at noon at an event in Alberta. I want to bring in J.J. McCullough, who is a writer, cartoonist, and a conservative political commentator. Good to have you on, sir. Good to be back. Good to be back and talking to you, because I'm curious to know where you stand on this. I mean, you are a conservative, yes, but you don't really think that much of of Jason Kenney. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I do kind of uh, have an uh, sort of understanding of Jason Kenney, I believe, to be sort of one of the most overrated men in Canadian politics. I think that they're largely the media, I think, is quite in love with him and has really sort of done his bidding for quite a while, playing him up as this kind of like great conservative savior figure who, you know, supposedly saved the Conservative Party under Stephen Harper and then, you know, was going to be a great successor to Stephen Harper and is now going to sort of rush in and save the day. And in Alberta, I mean, I just don't happen to think that he has a lot of successes personally to his name. But beyond that, I mean, I think this whole concept of a united right in general is a somewhat overrated one, only because I just don't really think that voters conceptualize themselves in these kind of rigidly ideological ways. There has been, you know, a number of times in Canadian history in which we've seen dramatic swings from one uh, from one party to another. You know, a party's been reduced to the, the margins and then has come back uh, with great success. You know, for instance, the, the Liberal Party federally, right? I mean, they were almost wiped out in 2011, and then last year's election, they, uh, they got a majority government. So I think that the way that voters shift from one party to another, it, it's not necessarily always a matter of, well, how many right-wing parties are there at one time, how many left-wing parties are there at one time. It has a lot to do with the leaders and the issues and, and the particular place where the politics are in that moment. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of speculation that once Mr. Harper stood, stood, you know, stood down that he would be kind of the second in line uh, to take over. But again, you know, for a party that's trying to rebuild itself, rebrand itself, uh, Kenny just is too much like the old guard. Well, I, I definitely think that in, in terms of uh, federally. I mean, I, I do think that that probably had a uh, had a large role in why he's decided to take things in a provincial direction. I mean, he was very heavily associated with the with the Harper regime and its successes as well as its failures and I think that 
you know, people of all sides of the conservative spectrum tend to agree that conservatism has to move forward in this country. It has to have a new vision. It doesn't necessarily have to have a more left-wing or more right-wing vision, but it has to offer something different, something that seems relevant in the age of, of Justin Trudeau. And I, I don't think that Jason Kenney necessarily offers that. But the logic would be that in the context of Alberta, you know, the most conservative part, supposedly, of this country, that perhaps someone with that kind of baggage, you know, the baggage of being too uh, too old-fashioned, too regressive in, in various ways, that maybe that would go over better in, in Alberta. But the, the thing is, as well, is that, you know, Jason Kenney is sort of a victim of circumstance here, because logically he should be running to lead the Wild Rose Party, which is the unapologetically conservative party of Alberta, one that has a lot in common, I think, with Jason Kenney's worldview. But of course, as you said, that party already has a leader, I think a very talented leader, so instead, he's running to lead the PC party, which really has evolved into something quite different uh, in the aftermath of Rachel Notley's premiership. I mean, she has chosen, she when she was PC leader, she chose to make the party more of a kind of catch-all vehicle for disaffected people on the left, as well as sort of moderate conservatives who were turned off by the Wild Rose. And already you've seen, I mean, MLAs and stuff who have come out and said that Jason Kenney is too right-wing for their vision of the post uh, the post-Redford uh, uh, PC party, and so they would be willing to uh, jump ship if he became the boss. So that opens up a whole other sort of can of worms. Okay, but look, I think I think it's safe to say um, that, you know, it's known on the federal level, Justin Trudeau will likely be around for two terms. I just don't see uh, the Conservative Party rebranding and rebuilding in time for the next election, and you cannot dispute the popularity of this current leader. And so a guy like Jason Kenney does not want to sit in opposition for that long. Um, But I can't imagine that he would go to provincial politics unless some kind of deal has already been discussed. I mean, why would he even attempt, JJ, to risk, you know, taking leadership of the PC and going into battle with another right wing party? Because I think that Jason Kenney has a great deal of faith in himself. I mean, this is a man who's enormously self-confident. I think unjustifiably so. You know, I wrote an article for for Looney Politics uh, a few months ago called uh, Anyone But Kenney, in which I documented the number of times in which Jason Kenney has said things with enormous uh, confidence about matters that turned out to be entirely uh, untrue, you know, comments about, uh, you know, Canadian jets being buzzed by Russian fighter planes and how he was the first minister to ever visit Syria. And like, there's a whole list of things. And I think that Jason Kenney has an inflated sense of his own worth that's been buoyed by very positive coverage that he's received in the media about how he's this conservative miracle worker. So I think that probably in his mind, you know, a lot of politicians are quite narcissistic. He probably thinks that he is the man to ride in on the white horse and fundamentally realign Alberta politics and save the province from, uh, another four years of disastrous NDP rule. I don't think necessarily that there has to be this kind of, uh, you know, elaborate machinations in place behind the scenes. I think that it's very possible that Jason Kenney is just enormously arrogant and is getting in, uh, you know, deeper than he's uh, ready for. I'll play devil's advocate. But he, but he is a, a loss to the federal party if he steps aside. I mean, if guys like, you know, him leave, you know, and some of the older, look, once the leadership contest is over and they choose, you know, a winner, there are a lot of these faces that we have become very familiar with are going to leave. You're saying it at, at the federal level? Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean I, I think that, yes, he has his support base within the party. I think that there's a lot of conservatives within the federal conservative party who think very highly of Jason Kenney. I, I often feel like I'm a bit of a contrarian voice in, in the sense that I say negative things about him. 
and that's just a testament to his success at at uh, at courting aspects of the conservative uh, of the conservative base. I mean, he's a very talented man at saying the right things to whatever audience he's speaking to. I mean, most famously, you know, the press loves to talk about the fact that he's done immigrant outreach, even though I think that didn't actually yield the results he's often credited with. But, I mean, he does the same thing to all sorts of other uh, conservative groups. I mean, he can say the, uh, the social conservative message to social conservative gatherings. He can say you know, a more sort of moderate message when he's speaking to moderate people. You know, he's reached out to the LGBT community. He's reached out to libertarians and, like, old-fashioned monarchists and all sorts of different uh, factions of the right-wing base. So it doesn't surprise me that that he has uh, uh, favorable opinions in those senses. But, you know, the question is, it, it comes down to what does the public want? And I've just never seen much hard evidence that the particular style of message that Kenny offers is something that has a broad base beyond, you know, this kind of factional uh, right-wing appeal. Right, but he does have name recognition, which in politics goes a very long way. So in Alberta, where, you know, job loss is at a record high, oil, you know, production is is being hit every single day, taxes are going up under Notley, you know, cap and trade is coming in. I mean, it is not an easy time to be an Albertan. Uh, and no. I have to think there's a few that might have remorse for, for choosing the leadership they did. Uh, so a guy like Kenny coming along uh, would be, I think, for many in that province, a welcome relief. Well, I mean, Kenny is, I think, uh, effective at delivering the message he wants to deliver. The problem is, as I said, is that Alberta already has a man who's doing that job quite effectively, which is Brian Jean and the Wild Rose Party. I mean, he is a principled, articulate conservative who... I think has been very good at holding the Notley government accountable and has positioned himself effectively as the alternative. The problem is now you're going to have Jason Kenney come in, and now you're going to have two people essentially saying the same thing. And unless there is some sort of merger, which I think would have complications of its own in the way that I said that, uh, you know, that the... uh, the PC, sort of the left-wing post-Redford sort of faction of the PC could move over to the NDP and possibly make Notley even stronger. I mean, uh, there is just a lot of weird vote-splitting issues that you have to that you have to factor in that will happen if you get two very strong conservative leaders leading two very strong conservative alternatives. The, the fact is, is that in most uh, Alberta elections, the left wing has been the party that has been split, and mm-hmm. that is very a very critical aspect of this as well. I mean, I think that you could make the strategic argument that rather than a strong right winger like Kenny as boss of the PC, it would actually be strategically in the interest of the right in Alberta to see a left wing person become boss of the PC party and split the vote with the NDP, leaving the Wild Rose Party as the sole conservative alternative. But you know, that's not really the kind of uh, three-dimensional chess that I think a lot of these people want to uh, want to play. No, but you do point out an interesting scenario that could, could unfold. But look, there's no question. Brian Jean has, I think, only of late uh, after the fire, you know, he lost his house last year. He had another tragedy. He lost a child very unexpectedly. When he did run in the election against Notley, there were a lot of people that just simply did not know who he was, and he had not had enough time to build trust. But, yeah. you know, his performance since then has mostly been, I think pretty good and he has won over a lot of support and I don't think he's going to want to let that go I just don't think I don't think this is his moment to say yep you know what I'm going to step aside yeah and 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 nor should he I mean he's been in the province fighting the battle while Jason Kenney's been off in in Ottawa and I mean the fact is is that if Stephen Harper had been re-elected Jason Kenney would still be in Ottawa doing whatever Stephen Harper wanted him to do so I think that there is a real sense of crass opportunism which frankly and you know listening to social media and and some of the comments on on various websites 
a lot of Albertans are drawing parallels with, with Jim Prentice, you know, who was another guy who sort of left Ottawa to come into Alberta after a long absence and say, hey, I'm a guy from Ottawa and I'm here to uh, save the day. And a lot of Albertans, I think, were rightly resentful of that. They're not, you know, thick-headed people out there. They can see the writing on the wall. They can see what politicians are up to, and they're deeply skeptical. And so it's not, uh, you know, it's, it's not just out of pure uh, open-hearted charity that Jason Kenney is coming to Alberta at this moment, running for the PC party of all parties at this moment. And I think that that is an optical challenge that, uh, that Kenney is going to have to deal with. And I think that he's, uh, you know, somewhat naive if he thinks it's going to be a real cakewalk. Yeah, I mean, there will be a lot of conservatives who disagree with you and say, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, because you come from such a different position on this. Uh, I can, you know, listen to both sides and see valid points on both sides. Uh, but there will be those that disagree with you and, and think that this is a pretty great thing. I mean, assuming it's going to happen, this has been like the rumblings. He could come out and announce that he's flipping burgers during the stampede, for all we know. Uh, but... <laughs> yeah, and, and that, would, that would be interesting as well, because, I mean, I have grown extraordinarily skeptical of uh, Canadian gossip journalism over the last few years. I mean, there's been so many false rumors spread. So, I mean, we'll we'll see what, what Kenny actually has to say. That's... Uh... Wouldn't be the first time there had been, you know, pages and pages of uh, journalism turned out for something that didn't end up happening. But his his exit from federal politics, certainly from the Conservative Party, would would signal, I think, uh, you know, a moving off of the old guard. Uh, there's no question the party is rebranding itself to a kinder, gentler, um, you know, more gay loving and and happy and and not dark. I mean, for whatever reason, they've kind of just abandoned everything uh, that the party was. And yeah. and it's seemingly, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know how long it's going to take for them to become a kinder, gentler party. But they're certainly moving in that direction. Yeah, and it, and it does trouble me because it, it seems like the, uh, the sort of the ruling class of the federal conservative party is now dominated by people that basically are self-loathing on some level, that kind of hate their own party, that really sort of consider Stephen Harper to have been this sort of like wicked, dark period of time. I mean, uh, Rona Ambrose, you know, joked as much during her press gallery thing. But, you know, there was, you know, she said something like, oh, the bad man's gone now. And I mean, it was a joke, but I mean, I think it's not uh, not that far from the truth of how a lot of the people in charge feel. The fact is, though, I, I do think it's a recipe for disaster in the long term. I mean, conservative parties are parties for conservatives. They're not parties for people that, uh, you know, have these sort of complicated psychological issues with their own uh, partisan identity, the way that I think that politicians in Ottawa who have hung around too long sometimes do. And the fact is, is that, uh, frankly, I think conservatism has been most successful in this country when the bosses of the reigning conservative party have tended to come from outside of the permanent political class. So we look at someone like Stephen Harper, you know, who spent a career in politics but was not uh, a career politician but in the conventional sense. You know, Brian Mulroney was not a career politician himself. He came from the, uh, the public or the private sector. You know, Eve, uh, John Diefenbaker was the same way. And I, I just get very skeptical of the idea that the person who is going to effectively rebrand the, the federal Tory party is going to be some washed-up former Harper cabinet minister who is now sort of trying to pretend that he actually hated Stephen Harper all along and, you know, is, is in and has been let whatever free. the people want. Pardon me? And has been let free. 
to be himself yeah, or exactly, herself. Yeah, exactly, right? And then tries to present this message of, like, actually everything you thought you knew about the Conservatives is wrong, and we're actually not very much different than the Liberals. We're down for their exact same agenda. Please love. It seems very grasping and desperate in, in the sort of the worst sense that, uh, you know, politicians often have a tendency to try to sort of lead the parade from behind. But then you're, you're suggesting that politicians are shallow. I mean, how dare you? Uh, but, but, you <laughs> yeah, know, old, like, old look, the bottom line is the Conservatives could could use, you know, a page out of the Liberal rebuilding book. And, uh, you know, like it or not, the Liberals do a very good job of uniting. Uh, they don't turn on each other. They don't talk ill of one another. They, they always, you know, quote unquote, circle the wagons. And uh, it's worked for them. And, and they did that. And Trudeau, look, look Trudeau should have lost. And, and he won yeah. in a skyrocketing, uh, with skyrocketing numbers. Uh, you know, they, they never... Uh, even when the chips were down, spoke negatively. Certainly not in public. I'm sure there was plenty of, uh, you know, whispers in the background, but they don't do it publicly like conservatives do or, you know, of late the NDP. And I think, you know, the liberals are very smart with that. Yeah, and I mean, I don't really understand it on some level. It just seems to me, I often wonder about this when I see some politicians in, in Ottawa or or elsewhere, who are conservatives yet seem to have all of this anxiety and like self-loathing about being conservatives. Like, I often wonder how they wound up in that party to begin with. If they seem to be so consumed with with doubt about their own identity, it, it, it's bizarre to me. And I think that that shows that what you really need is you need someone to be the leader of the conservative party who is thoughtful but is also confident, who is very happy and comfortable in his own skin to be a conservative, who is happy to make conservative arguments and make conservatism as a philosophy relevant in, you know, the year 2020 or 2019 or whenever the next election is. It can't be someone who sort of thinks, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of a uh, provincial election we had in my province of British Columbia back in 2000 where the NDP was so unpopular that they basically didn't write NDP on any of their posters. You know, they just tried to hide their partisan identity as much as possible and basically hoped that the public would be sort of stupid enough to, to vote for them out of, I don't know, confusion or whatever. I mean, that kind of strategy didn't work here, and I don't think it's going to work federally as well. Conservatives have to be cool with being conservatives, and they have to have somebody that can make a conservative message relevant and popular in the 21st century, not, not try to run away from it or pretend that what Canadians want is just another Liberal Party led by a different guy. Sure, but they also have to be more accepting. I mean, the big blue tent has to actually allow you in as a conservative, even if you don't all hold the same values. I mean, the Liberals, you can have all sorts of values. that They'll take you. They take one, they take all. Uh, <laughs> you know, some people would look at me as a conservative. I'm a libertarian. Yeah. I don't care what you do with your life, who you do it with. I just don't care. All I care about is accountability and less government. That That's how I think. But, Pot, I don't yeah. care. You make your own choices with those kind of gay marriage. I'm fine with it. I don't care. You know, yeah. so to suggest, but there would be a lot of conservatives who would look at me and say, you're not a conservative. Well, okay. <laughs> okay. But, then, you know, what the name calling, but there's this division within the party itself that if you don't follow the, the rules specifically, then you're just not a conservative. To me, I just, uh, I think they have to change that. Well, I mean, I... I would disagree only in the sense that I don't think that what the biggest problem with the Conservative Party right now is that it is somehow too ideologically dogmatic. I, I think that the problem with it right now is that it seems kind of driftless and no one yes. really knows what it means because they're, you know, Stephen Harper dominated the party for so long and I mean, and he was a very principled man and had, I think, a very clear philosophy of, of what conservatism should be and what his party was for. But of course, as we all know, the problem was that he also, and this is, you know, more of a problem with, I think, our 
our political system and our party system then about Stephen Harper in particular was just that like, you know, his leadership was so dominant that I don't really think it cultivated the rise of sort of independent polls of other people that were as equally, you know, focused on the business of articulating the values, articulating the direction of the party, articulating, you know, a, a vision of what conservatism meant to them that could possibly, you know, then be a new, a new vision once he sort of shuffled off. Um, I, you know, I've got no problem with, with people being libertarians, and I think that if the, if the Conservative Party wants to rebrand itself in a kind of more libertarian direction, that would be perfectly cool. But the thing is that people have to remember is that libertarianism is sometimes presented as this philosophy that everyone can agree with, which is just kind of like, do whatever you want, I won't judge you, which is true to some extent. But libertarianism has its harsh sides as well. I mean, it, it certainly does involve cutting a lot of government spending, because it views a lot of government spending as being frivolous and irrelevant and not the appropriate realm of government. And so I think that there's sometimes, you know, like a, a libertarian, for instance, would say, for instance, with Canada Post right now, well, government shouldn't be delivering the mail. You know, I spent some time in Japan where all the mail delivery is private. Well, didn't, didn't, Lisa, didn't Lisa uh, Rate come out and say that yesterday? Let's privatize it. I mean, that, that in itself, I think, if that's what she said, that there's a story for you. She, she would break the crown corp and, you know, let it go privately. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, good for her. I mean, yeah. that's that's a good message if that's what she's saying. And, you know, Maxime Bernier has yeah. said that we should get rid of the uh, the CRTC. You know, I think that's a good thing. These are all good well. things. But <laughs> What's that? These are all good things. Yeah, okay. no, there are they're good things. But the fact is, is that they are they're divisive and they're they're controversial yeah. ideas and, and not everybody is going to love them. So I think that people should be aware that even though sort of a more libertarian approach you know, perhaps might get some brownie points on issues like gay marriage or, yeah. you know, abortion or whatever else, some of these social issues. It's not necessarily going to make everyone who hated Stephen Harper suddenly love you because it's going to introduce new, uh, new divisive issues, new harsh issues, new uh, issues that are going to offend a lot of people relating to sort of the role of, of government and government spending. So, we'll see. you know, but, you know, yeah. it, it, it all comes down to who is leading the charge and will that person leading the charge be okay with being disliked or be articulate enough to rebut criticism of his philosophy. I'll make them like me. JJ, on that note, I got to go. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon again. Yeah, great to talk to you again.